0: Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I turn to the Bible and our faith to illuminate God's truths that are revealed to us through Scripture and through the events that occur in our lives. This week, I'm looking at the story of Jesus healing a man who was blind since birth to examine the meaning or lack thereof of suffering in our lives. I'll also be referring to Paul's letter to the Romans where he talks about how we deal with suffering. I begin with John 9, verses 1-7. through As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no work can be done. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. Here ends the reading. And now, a second reading from Romans 5, verses 1-5. through Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to his grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Here ends the reading. Jesus is walking along with his disciples when they encounter a man who had been blind from birth. Like most people with crippling disabilities at this time in history, the man had been reduced to begging by the roadside. The disciples asked Jesus a question. Who sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents? They must not have known that he was blind from birth, because that's the only way he could have been responsible for his blindness. Jesus answers that it wasn't the blind man, Was it his parents then? Again, Jesus answered that it was not his parents. He says that he was born blind so that God's work could be revealed. Note, however, that he doesn't say that God has caused his blindness, just that his blindness could be used to show God's power. But we'll talk more about that later. I'm sure that you have experienced bad things in your life. We all have. Some just more than others. When something bad happens or when someone like the blind man experiences a hardship, we try to assign a cause to the misfortune. I was once summoned to the hospital late at night because a member of my congregation had given birth to a baby who had died during childbirth. I remember that on my short drive to the hospital, rehearsing what I was going to say to the young mother, Jeannie, when I got there, I wanted to have some well-thought-out explanation, or at least consolation, for why she would be going home empty-handed without her firstborn child. I was still struggling to know what to say when I arrived at the hospital. What I experienced when I reached Jeanie's room was heartbreaking. She was sitting in a chair in the corner of the room, cradling her child in her arms. The baby was wrapped in a soft pink blanket, and Jeannie rocked back and forth, as any mother instinctively does, to comfort her child. In this case, the rocking comforted the mother. Her husband and both sets of grandparents sat nervously by, and they cleared a chair for me next to her. We said a prayer together, commending the child to God, and asked for strength for the grieving family. Then we sat in silence. We sat, and we sat. Occasionally, one of the family members, overwhelmed by the silence, would offer words of intended consolation. I still didn't know what to say, which is just as well. In the days and months ahead, we would hear many words of intended consolation. God needed another angel in heaven. I remember someone saying, we can't understand God's plan, said another. There was a discussion as to whether the doctor might be to blame. Why didn't the doctor take her earlier? Several people asked accusingly. A friend added, you can still have another child. Several people said, God will give you the strength you need to get through this. Now, each of these statements were made in love in an attempt to comfort a mourning mother. Each contained some truth. But with each comment, I'm sure that Jeanie winced and continued on her difficult journey. Why did God need her baby more than she did? What good would it do to second-guess the doctor? She didn't want another child, and she didn't want to be strong enough to soldier through. She wanted her child, Rosie, to breathe and to have her cheeks glow with life. Jeanie never did get over the loss of Rosie, whatever get over means, nor does she want to. To this day... Almost 25 years later, she visits the grave on the anniversary of the tragic day and places a rose there. Jeanie has had the strength to carry on. She and her husband grieve together. They have been blessed with three happy and healthy boys. They are a happy and well-adjusted family. Jesus said on a recent anniversary of Rosie's death, I wonder what she would have been like, what she would be doing what she would look like, what would have been like to have a daughter. We went on to have three awesome boys and a happy life, but the loss of a child is a pain that doesn't go away. It hides away inside, while we enjoy life. Then in certain circumstances, it wiggles right to the surface. Thankfully those times are infrequent at this point, for all of you who know this feeling, I'm sorry that we have to share this. Who sinned that Rosie died before she ever really lived? Can you see what a heartless question that is? But it's often asked, like Jesus' disciples, we want to know why bad things happen. We want to know who or what is responsible. We want to know why God causes us to suffer or at least allows us to suffer. Why would God allow an innocent child to die? We'd rather face a vengeful, uh, judging God than to think that things like this just happen for no reason. In his book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, Rabbi Harold Kirshner says, The idea that God gives people what they deserve, that misdeeds cause misfortune, is a neat and attractive solution to the problem of evil at several levels. But it has a number of serious limitations. As we have seen, it teaches people to blame themselves. It creates guilt even when there is no basis for guilt. It makes people hate God. And most disturbing of all, it doesn't even fit the facts. You know, I grew up with an image of an all-powerful God stamped on my psyche, I took to heart the reading from Matthew 19, For God, all things are possible. And in church, we sang Immortal, Invisible, God, Only Wise. You see, God knew everything. God could do anything. And whether we can understand it or not, God has a plan for everything. Not a sparrow falls that God does not know or care about. I also learned and believed that God loved me. Eventually, however, I faced the theological question that has confronted theologians from the beginning. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, how can evil exist? If God really loved us, wouldn't he use his unlimited power to do away with evil and suffering? Kushner, who himself lost a son to a genetic childhood illness, struggled with this question. And he comes up with an answer that many of us with a traditional faith upbringing will struggle with. And that is that God is not all-powerful after all. We live in a universe that is governed by inalterable physical laws. They're so complex that the brightest minds haven't figured out how all these, how all these laws work together. But you don't have to be a scientist, have a working knowledge of most of them. If I drop an apple... Assuming that I am on earth, gravity will cause it to splat against the ground. If I shine a white light through a prism, the ray will splinter in the colors of the rainbow. Time passes, and we cannot reverse the process. Organisms age and die. We rely on all of these rules of nature in order to live. And according to Kushner, God works within the laws of nature, the nature that he created. It is interesting, isn't it, that insurance companies, when a natural disaster hits, refer to it as an act of God? Why does God get blamed? And what does this say about God? Is God some kind of a cosmic monster who causes children and innocent people to suffer just to prove a point? Let's stop blaming God or making excuses for God whenever something bad happens. I can live with the fact that God isn't manipulating and directing everything that happens in minute detail. I would rather have a loving God beside me while the universe we live in seems heartless, soulless, and a chaotic place. I can live in a universe where suffering and evil sometimes prevail. I can live in that universe if God is with me. The 23rd Psalm, arguably one of the most comforting passages in the Bible, assumes the existence of evil when it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. We do. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death constantly. And that's comforting because it says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. If God has unlimited power, it is unlimited power to love and care for us. Rabbi Kushner says, People who pray for miracles usually don't get miracles. But people who pray for courage, for strength to bear the unbearable, for the grace to remember what they have left instead of what they have lost, very often find their prayers answered. Their prayers helped them tap hidden reserves of faith and courage that were not available to them before. One of the things that constantly reassures me that God is real and not just an idea that religious leaders made up is the fact that people who pray for strength, hope, and courage so often find resources of strength, hope, and courage that they didn't know they had before they prayed. There is a man in the Bible who faced more suffering and loss than we can imagine. All of his property and livestock they'd worked for all of his life were destroyed by natural disasters, war, and disease. All of his family members were tragically killed. His name, of course, was Job. And we're told flat out at the beginning of the story that Job was blameless before God. Despite the extended theological arguments presented by Job's friends, and even after an extended argument between God and Job, the answer to the question, why, for Job is never answered. Eventually, Job just gets on with life, and God blesses him again. In a heartless, soulless universe, governed by cold and soulless laws of nature, There is no meaning baked in. We impose the meaning. Humans are meaning-making animals. God made us that way. Why is the wrong question to ask? The relevant question is, what happens when suffering occurs? Since suffering and death is inevitable, how do we make it through these times? The answer is that our loving God is present with us in those times. And I'm not just talking about some immortal, invisible, God-only, wise kind of God. I'm talking about a God who suffered and died alongside his own creation. This, of course, is God in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ was sitting with us, struggling to deal with Rosie's death on that horrible day 23 years ago and he is with Genie today. Not only does he suffer with us, he teaches us to be with one another when suffering occurs. Why is God allowing the terrible suffering in the war in Ukraine? What did the Ukrainian people do to deserve this? Who sinned? Why did God allow a devastating earthquake to kill tens of thousands of people and leave others struggling with their loss of family and friends while they continue to fight to survive against the element with few or no resources? Those questions are beyond my pay grade and I suspect yours, if you're honest with yourself. But we can ask, what can we do to help? How can we be present to the people living under impossible circumstances? The answer is that we can tap the unlimited resources of love that God has instilled in our souls. When we abandon asking questions which have no answers and turn to acting out of love, empowered by our ever-present God, Paul's words on suffering stop being a meaningless platitude and become powerful words of consolation. Prefaced by the words, When God is with us, Paul writes, Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I have witnessed, firsthand, countless people like Jeanie, who've lived through what I thought was insurmountable suffering and loss. I've seen them surrounded with family and friends, and pastors, who, despite our sometimes misguided attempts to provide encouraging words, have given them at least a glimpse of God's overpowering love. Most of all, those family and friends, and God, never desert them. When bad things happen, we are not alone. Sometimes, bad things just happen. Asking why they happen is really a useless distraction. Instead, we ask what we, with the help of God, can do to get through it. Jesus' answer was to heal the blind man. Jeannie's answer has been to continue to love the child that she lost in the process be a healing inspiration to those around her. And I have learned in the years since, the best thing I can do is just be present. For the people of Ukraine, we will pray, shelter refugees, send food and support, and do whatever is in our power to end the senseless suffering. This Easter we will gather to celebrate the message that beyond the suffering of the cross rises the Easter sun of resurrection and new life. And we can see all those we have loved and lost in the rosy glow of Easter dawn. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and be gracious unto you. May God be with you in your struggles and bring you to everlasting life.